unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So Augustine, who was kind of an early Christian philosopher, kind of saw this. He said, you know, Christian love is about caring about the other person's well-being. And Christian love, where we know these truths through our Christianity, helps us to do that in a way that maybe they don't necessarily even recognize or like. But we, having this relationship with God, knowing these things from God, have an obligation to try to seek out their best welfare. That that's what, for him, that's what Christian love meant. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Saints Unscripted. We've got an extra special guest here today. This is Christopher. What makes me extra special? You have lots uh, of special guests. Okay, I'm sorry. Just that was regular special. Just the regular level of special. That was nothing against all the other guests we've had. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but this is Christopher, Christopher Cunningham. Howdy. Uh, you run a, a magazine called Public Square. You're up in the state. You're up here in Utah visiting. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to come on the show today, talk about a very important topic. And we've never really had a, an episode just on this subject before. I mean, it's come up a lot, but we've never had a whole episode where we just talk about the love of God. And uh, we all felt that it was really important. So. All right. So I think to start out, I think it, um, we should just start general and just, I want to ask you the question, why, why do we think that God loves us? Why do we think that God loves us? You know, I think, I think for people who are people of faith, they learn that God loves them, right? Like this is a core teaching of, I mean, our faith, but so many faiths, right? And so you just kind of grow up knowing this. I see my kids that I'm teaching and for them, like they just know it as sort of this matter of fact, this is kind of a fact of the world. So I think that happens, but eventually you kind of have to feel it on your own. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's ultimately like, if you were to ask me, why do I think that God loves me? It's because I felt the love of God in my life. I felt the Holy Ghost communicate God's love and it's brought me comfort. It's brought me chastisement. It's brought me peace. It's brought me kind of all of these elements of love mm-hmm. uh, that I felt. And that's why I believe that and it's not always, it's not always plain. So I'm kind of going through a tough time in my personal life right now. And so I was driving from Reno to Las Vegas. Okay. So it's about a seven hour drive and it is absolutely in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there is like, this is where Area 51 and the largest weapons depot in the U.S. is. So, like, when the U.S. government says, where is the middle of nowhere, they put it between Reno and Las Vegas. And then they, <laughs> and then they blow up a bomb. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so, I have seven hours in front of me while I'm having, like, all of these things that I'm, like, really angry about. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this drive. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm going to drive myself crazy. And so, I pray. I'm praying on this trip. And I'm just kind of saying, God, hey, look, you know... <sighs> I can deal with the anxiety for this drive if you need me to, but I also know that you could take some of this off of my mind. Could, you know, could I have a miracle? This was, was my prayer. And so here I am out, it's been 20 miles, I haven't seen any signs of human, human civilization except the road I'm driving on, and a cop is driving the other direction. And first car I've seen in, you know, 20 minutes, and he pulls me over. <laughs> 
course. In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Figures. And I was speeding, right. right? So, I mean, that's fair, but um, but why? Like, why would anyone care that I was speeding out here? And so he does this. And now, for the next hour, I'm like, uh, so all I can think about is getting pulled over by this cop. Right. And everything that I had been so worked up about in my personal life, without any effort, just kind of fell to the side. And then as I'm doing this, I ended up getting the third verse of Our Savior's Love stuck in my head. But it was only the third verse, so I kept saying it to myself because I couldn't figure out the title of the song because I couldn't remember the first verse. And so I'm just like saying this to myself for hours, and I get home and I realize this was exactly what I had prayed for. That I had asked God, I said, God, please take my mind off of all of this anger I have about my personal life and distract me. And God was like, I know exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm going to send a cop and I'm going to send this this song you can't remember. And for me, you know, getting pulled over by a police officer isn't often how I feel the love of God, but right. it was on that drive. Yeah. And that's why I believe God loves me because I see it. I see it all the time. That is so wow. interesting. Yeah. Um, I love that perspective. And also I love that. I mean, earlier when you were talking about it, um, you used a lot of, of of words that you've seen God's love used. Words like, even words like chastisement and sure. like words that were more have a negative connotation that you wouldn't sure. normally associate with the love of God. Yeah, and it just goes to show like God expresses His love in many different ways. You know, it's interesting. I was, uh, you know, kind of right before this. I have. I had been praying. And every time I prayed, I felt all of this peace, right? Like it seemed like every time I said, hey, I'm having this hard time, the windows of heaven opened and I just felt this gush of, of comfort mm -hmm. from God. And this went on for several weeks. And then finally, I'm like trying to figure out all these issues and I'm kind of running real fast. And I prayed and it was totally different that time. And that's exactly how it felt. It felt like chastisement. The Lord's like, you have got to be still. We just read that scripture in the Come Follow Me verse about be still and know that I am God. And I felt like he was just saying no. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And um, so in my personal life, I've been trying to learn like mindfulness practices. And I'm like, okay. And so this is another tool that I, I had that has been able to help me sort of deal with all these things that have been running through my head. And I never would have leaned into those if... I could keep using this prayer as sort of this crutch where I could just go to him and feel this love, go to him, feel this love. He's like, okay, yeah, but we have to help you figure out how to deal with this on your own. Yeah. Learn to be still. And it was, it was this very loving thing that happened that wasn't peace or comfort. It was chastisement. And yet it was the love of God. At least it was to me. Interesting. Yeah. I love that. So going off of all of that, in, in what ways does God's love differ from humanity's love from our from our definition of what love is because sometimes we have expectations of how love should be shown sure um and uh so what are your thoughts on that how does god's love differ from what we normally expect to see it's a good question in the new testament uh we we get two different words that we actually translate as love so one is called um philia and one is agape um, and uh, this was really explored. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves in the Bible. If that's not the title, it's close to that. And, uh, and he, so, so he has these two, and then he has Eros love, which is like romantic love, and uh, Stege love, which is um, like familial love. But so the two that we, the two words that we have in the Bible are this philia love, which is affection for other people. Um, and it's often used in kind of a negative way. 
Um, not always. Kind it's not like always sympathy. Uh, no, um, like uh, like being friends with someone or liking someone. Okay. But when Christ is like uh, chewing out the Pharisees, he's like, oh, you love your whited sepulchers. You love these things. Like I said, it's not always used like that. It's also used God. God says at one point, like you have to love, feel you love me more than you feel you love even your own family, right? And he says, I feel you love you. So it's not always negative, but it's often this way where it just kind of means more affection for other people. Um, People often use, uh, translate philia as like brotherly love, okay. right? That that you you like each other, you're kind of united on issues. Um, and then the other one is agape love. And almost all of the time in the Bible, in the New Testament, when it talks about loving one another, it's agape love. And agape love is uh, is kind of this concept of welcoming, uh, belonging, of you come with me, we are going to eat together, we're going to have conversation together. You, I'm not going to exclude you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what, what agape love means. And when we talk about how God loves us, it's almost always agape love. Uh, and when we talk about God commanding us to love others, it's always agape love. God never, there's no commandment in the New Testament to philia, love one another. Hmm. We do, you know, we do feel you love one another, and it, and it certainly isn't saying don't do that. Like, it never says that, and it talks about, you know, the filial love we have for, for our friends and our neighbors and things like this. Um, but when it says, like, for example, love your enemies, it's not saying love your enemies and have affection for them. It's saying love your enemies and welcome them. Welcome them. Let them into your home. You know, make them part, have conversation with them. And so this is kind of uh, how it's a little bit different in the Bible. And for us, when we talk about love, I mean, there's so many pieces to it. Yeah. Love is a terrible English word. I mean, so I'm an old English major, right? Like, this is kind of my background. And I mean, we just pile so much stuff onto it. Yeah. yeah. And yet it's this huge concept in Christianity. And to say, okay, but what did Christ mean when he said love? What, you know, when we talk about the love of God, what does that mean? And is all of our cultural understanding of love piled into it? And obviously we know the answer is no, because we talk about romantic love. And no one would suggest we need to feel romantic love for God. Like right. that would be absurd. And or so we, enemies. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> or our enemies. Yeah. So we know we have to pull some of these pieces out. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's kind of part of at least for me, as I've been trying to talk about, how do we interact with one another? That's a big part of public squares. We're saying what's happening in the public square? And what's happening in the public square is usually how we treat each other and how we interact. And how God loves us should impact how we love others. And so when we're trying to figure out these questions, for me, it's really important to say, well, how does God love us? Mm -hmm. So yeah. do you have an answer for that question? <laughs> how does God love us? Yeah. How does God love us? Um, uh, so therapy, right? Like if you go to a therapist, there is um, something called a replication crisis in sort of the social sciences right now. And what this means is that um, is that there's all these studies that social science has kind of been built on. And now researchers are trying to redo those studies to kind of get the same results and show that these results are fine. And over and over and over again, they're finding we can't they're not replicating the studies. And so a lot of the foundations of social science right now are really kind of in flux mm. where they're saying, okay, well, what is real? Why can't we replicate these studies? What is this you know, really based on? Yeah. And uh, okay, so that sort of weird introduction aside, uh, there is something called emotionally focused couples therapy. Uh, it's a approach to therapy that has been developed by someone named Sue Johnson. And what Sue Johnson discovered 
is that for us to be able to really effectively be in relationships with other people, for us to be our best selves, for us to interact with others, we have to know that our, so for her, it's just relationships. We have to know that our partner loves us. We have to know that our partner is there for us. We have to know our partner is going to be emotionally responsive to us. And this is something, sorry, the reason I did that whole replication crisis first, this is something that keeps coming up in the research over and over and over again. And so as they're trying to kind of rebuild some of the foundation of, you know, psychology and the social sciences, this seems like something that, well, they've, they've found it, right? Like they found this thing that might, might be a real foundation for this field moving forward. And I think it's so interesting that for her recognizing interpersonal relationships with a spouse, the foundation is love and that we can't be very effective in that relationship or in our life unless we kind of have that. And in reading her, her stuff, it's like, yes, I think she's struck on something that is very, very true. And this is why we see the love of God communicated so often and so repetitively all through scripture and all, you know, the prophets all the time. Like, why do we have to hear this message over and over? God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God, why? And I think, I think she's figured it out because once we're secure, once we are secure in knowing that, that, that relationship, that that feeling of connection is there, it allows us to be effective. It allows us to be confident. It allows us to grow and change. And that's the whole gospel is becoming more like God. And it seems like, at least according to her research, that the prerequisite to that is being loved. We need to wow. trust that he cares about us. Yeah. Right. Hmm. I love that. That's awesome. There's a really important question here that I think I, I would really, really like to touch on. We're so obviously we're talking about God loves us, but I think all of us at one point have wondered, why does a God that loves us so much and makes sure that we understand that, that he loves us, why does he still allow us to suffer so much? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, this is a, a tough question, and it's one that has kind of been the foundation of um, a lot of sort of theological work since the beginning, right? Like, if God is all-powerful and God is all-good, and God is all knowing, why is there evil in the world, right? Like, why does he let us hurt? Right. And, you know, there's a lot smarter people than me who have taken on this question. Um, but I think right now it's hard for people to sort of recognize this. It's like, if God loves me, we're so motivated to seek our own comfort that it can be hard to recognize that a God who loves us would not share that motivation. Like, God loves us deeply, but probably isn't super concerned whether or not we're comfortable. Um <laughs> Because the process is growth and comfort yeah. can be important for that, right? Feeling the love of God, feeling this security is important. But then beyond that, being in positions that are hard, right? Getting chastised like I did mm -hmm. is, is important to push us. It's important to say, okay, there's, there's times we need to grow into these things. There's times where you're going to need to love other people. And that's not always comfortable. That might push you out of your comfort zone. That might make you do something that you might not want to do. And that is, um, yeah, it's why, why does God allow that? I mean, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't try to speak for God, but, um, but I think, I think we sort of see God, we see love. Like when we love our children, we're trying to take barriers away from them. And we don't always see that same thing from God. Yeah. And I think we need to recognize 
that as we're trying to emulate God's love in public, that it's not always necessarily all about making people's lives easy. So Augustine, who was kind of an early Christian philosopher, kind of saw this. He said, you know, Christian love is about caring about the other person's well-being. And Christian love, where we know these truths through our Christianity, helps us to do that in a way that maybe they don't necessarily even recognize or like, but we, having this relationship with God, knowing these things from God, have an obligation to try to seek out their best welfare. That that's what, for him, that's what Christian love meant. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So, uh, Earlier, when I asked that other question, yeah, you yeah. said we would eventually loop back I, to I that question. <laughs> and I don't think we ever did. So uh, let's loop back. Sure. So how is society's definition of love different? Um, so I've been really interested in learning about a psychologist named Carl Rogers. So okay. Carl Rogers is a guy who really helped develop what therapy means in the U.S. in like the 1940s. So he lived a tough life. Um, his... His mother abandoned the family. He was raised by his dad, who was not in a great place because his mother abandoned the family and was not a good father. He was very strict, very stern, and he used a lot of the language of religion to really kind of try to hammer away at his son. And his son ends up going, and Carl Rogers ends up going, and he's going to go into the ministry. Uh, and he starts to discover all of this information about love, and he's like, whoa, like this is not what I learned. Like, like this language of love is pushing my dad using it into this, this thing that hurt me a lot as a child. And so he ended up abandoning his faith and leaning into kind of his psychology and his psychological work. And he worked mostly with mentally ill people. Um, you know, this is kind of the root of sort of therapy and psychology is people with deep issues. And what he discovered, what he developed is something called unconditional positive regard. So if someone comes in, no matter what they say or no matter what they think, the job of the psychologist, according to Carl Rogers, is to say, yes, yes, this is, this, you know, what you say is valid, what you say is important, what you say. And, um, and this worked and this helped his clients. And this ended up kind of, we now have the phrase kind of unconditional love. Uh, and we hear it all the time. It mostly came from Carl Rogers. And it was mostly his approach on how to psychologically treat mentally ill patients. And we've now adopted this as kind of the way we need to treat everyone is how Carl Rogers treated his patients with unconditional positive regard and affection. And there's a lot of good that comes from this, from loving other people this way, but it also is, is very limited. Uh, it's this kind of very limited vision of what love is that is, is all about me just saying, you know, just saying yes, 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 yes. 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 Say it again. Yes. yes. Make me believe it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and it comes from this fellow who was so hurt from a really bad background and we've never really explored as a society, do we want to adopt kind of this? Does it have a lot of meaning or applicability outside of where Carl Rogers started? It just kind of snowballed. And so many people today, at least in my experience, when they talk about the love of God and how they imagine how God loves them, what they're imagining is how Carl Rogers treated his patients. 
Interesting. And I don't think, I think the love of God is different than that. I think the love of God is a lot bigger than that. I think the love of God encompasses a lot more. And so, um, and so I think kind of recognizing where these cultural attitudes about what to love others mean came from, and we can kind of separate that from what we actually know from scripture and what we actually know from the prophets can help us get a better sense for, uh, for what we should expect from God's love. And as we try to emulate that in loving others, how we can be the most loving, how we can do our best in treating others the way God treats us. That's super cool. I, it seems counterintuitive to say something like unconditional love limits love. It puts limits on it, but it really does uh, because like there's only so much you can do while trying to be positive and reinforcing to someone, yeah. especially if they're going you know down a wrong way. Yeah, you know, I think I think as the Christians, as Latter Day Saints, we've kind of because of our relationship with God, we've learned these things that are true that can bless our lives. But when we're trying to treat people the way Carl Rogers did, we kind of put an asterisk next to anyone who doesn't already share our faith or is struggling with our faith to say, okay, I'm going to sort of leave them out from trying to help them, right? And we call that unconditional love because we're like, oh, well, we need to sort of just support them in wherever they're at, support them with whatever they're doing. And that, like I said, that is a first step, right? Like knowing that we are there for them is crucial. And that's the crucial thing that God does but there is more to that. Like that is, it's just a first step. And I think when we talk about unconditional love, we're meaning unconditionally do the first thing and nothing else. I would like to ask other questions, but I think our time is up. <laughs> this is such a good topic. I think we could probably talk for hours just on the subject. You've written, you know. Yeah, go out, visit publicsquaremag.org. That's our website. And we want to share uh, perspectives of faith on issues in the public square. So check us out. Yeah. Because uh, what we talked about here is like just barely scratching the surface. Yeah. There's so much more to talk about. So definitely go check that out. We'll probably leave a link in the description. This is my third time. I know exactly where they're at now. Right yeah. here. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right, right down there. Right down there. I'm getting good at that. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.